RadioInfluence.com. This is the Valor Hour on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights and a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, the president of Valor Fights, Tim Loy. Welcome to the Valor Hour. I'm your host, Tim Loy, joined by my co-host, Justin Watson. We are fresh off a big fight weekend. Valor 57 went down. We're going to recap all that. Here just a little bit later, we're going to be joined by Jeff Hobbs and Greg Hopkins for that, as well as our preview of UFC Atlanta, which is coming up this weekend. We'll dive into that some and give some some DraftKings advice and plays. Of course, we've got our free DraftKings contest uh, up right now. Uh, you go on to the Valor Hour Facebook page. We'll have a link for that. It is free to enter. And if you win, you're going to get two tickets to May 3rd's Valor 58 show in Knoxville, but before we get to that, we've got a special guest. We've got an interview uh, lined up here today. We've got one half of this past weekend's, oh, bloody, gruesome, bare-knuckle boxing main event. We're going to be chatting with Jason Knight, who had a, a five-round war with Artem Lobov. So let's get Jason Knight on the line to open things up. All right, on the line, we have got Jason Knight, fresh off a, a barn burner uh, at the Bare Knuckle Fighting Championships. Went down this past weekend down in uh, down in his neck of the woods. Jason, how's it going, my man? How you feeling? I'm doing good, man. Uh, just got through working on my truck. Um, I had to change a couple tire rod ends and get a front end alignment on it this morning and shit. And uh, other than that, you know, I, I've been hanging out. <laughs> well, for those that, that don't know, uh, you were in uh, an absolute war, uh, five rounds of war with Artem Lobov, uh, you know, uh, uh, infamous for uh, for being a fellow, uh, you know, former UFC fighter like yourself that, is, you know, that just goes in there and, and puts on wars. So, you know, on paper, I could definitely see leading up to this fight, while a lot of people are excited and you guys probably over-delivered even beyond what uh, people were expecting. Uh, you came out on the short end with a majority decision loss, but a uh, very close fight, man, very close fight. Uh, if you would kind of kind of recap it uh, as, as, as best you can, uh, you know, and, and just your overall thoughts on your first bare-knuckle boxing experience. I know you, you definitely put on a hell of a show, but if, if guys have seen pictures uh, of you all afterward, it looks like a horror movie movie man it looks like you guys uh you know are, are uh, you know have come out of like uh, the house of a thousand corpses or something yeah man uh it, it was a fun fight um we come out you know and first the very first punch i threw i threw a little, a little it's called a scoop hook you know you, you go down like you're about to hit him in the body and you come up with a hook high my threw it and then i hit my little angle and uh next thing you know i threw a jab he slipped the jab and hit me with a couple punches. And I said, oh, shit, his boxing's better than I thought it was. Well, he had his hands down trying to show boat. He went and tried to throw another punch, and I hit him with a left hook. Bam, it dropped him. Well, uh, whenever he dropped, I was like, hell yeah, you know, and I, I went to try to close that distance. I was thinking it was going to pop back up real quick. I was going to try to close the distance, and as soon as he got up, hit him a couple more times, finished the fight, or, you know, if I could. But uh referee pushed me away or whatever, left him stand up, he stands up. We got back to fighting and shit, and then uh, I wound up, I dropped him again in the second round with another left hook, and he uh, he, he pretended that he slipped and all that shit. They called it a slip. Well, then uh, he drops me with an uppercut, 
and knocked my damn tooth out, knocked one of my teeth out. And uh, I stripped the tooth out. We went back to fighting round ends. And uh, they wound up, they gave him that first round, but I felt like I won the first round. He comes out, you know, I feel like he won the second and the third round. Fourth round, he was pretty much gone. You know, I, I started I started taking the fight away in the fourth round. Fifth round, it was all my, you know, it was all me. And, you know, I felt like I won the first, the fourth, and the fifth. But, you know, it was a very, very close fight, so it could have went either way. But, uh, you know, I damn sure don't think the Autumn above got a, a unanimous decision. Maybe, maybe a split. But uh, and especially especially if they would have scored the knockdowns correctly, then you know I think I would have won the fight. But you know it's, it's not really that big of a deal. We went we went out there, we put on a hell of a war that you know people are going to talk about for a long time. So you know I'm, I'm not sweating it at all. Yeah, well, hopefully, you know, uh, well, before I before I get to this, I'll say that, uh, you know, in boxing and kickboxing, the it is such a such a huge deal, uh, essentially, for uh, as far as how those knockdowns get scored, because that becomes, you know, a 10 eight round uh, in, in those cases. And so, you know, the difference between a slip and a knockdown when you're in a super close fight like that, that one extra point it can mean the world, you know? Yeah, that, there was a there was a time or two that that I had either slipped or like tripped over my ankle, you know, like kind of kind of tripped over my own feet, and uh, they called it a knockdown for him. And then there was a time or two that I actually knocked him down, and they called it a slip because you know he he was a smart fighter, man. He, he obviously he's trained with plenty of boxers that kind of knew the ins and outs. But every time that he he touched the mat, it didn't matter if he slipped. It didn't matter if he got knocked down. As soon as he hit the mat, he would jump up protesting like he slipped. You know, he, he jumped up and made sure that the you know he was trying to let the the referee know that he slipped. And you know I think I think that was a, a smart thing to do. You know. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, hindsight being twenty twenty, obviously in in all those kind of scenarios, though it's a little tricks you can put in your back pocket for next time, right? Yeah, for sure. Of course, I've got Justin Watson on the phone with me as well. Uh, Justin, what you got for for Jason? What's up, man? Congratulations on a hell of a fight. Um, definitely, you know, going to be up for Canada's fight of the year. Um, I noticed that too on those uh, the knockdowns that were getting called slips. We had an event here in Knoxville last weekend and had some of the same issues where the referee was, you know, not not being vocal about it. And I think that definitely would have would have changed the fight around for you. Was that your first boxing match, period? Uh, no, I had three amateur boxing matches, um, but, man, that was a long-ass time ago. I was, like, 15, 16 years old. Uh, and then I, once, I, once I, I turned pro as an MMA fighter at 17, and once you go pro in MMA, you can't do amateur boxing anymore. You got to go pro in boxing. And, you know, I never felt that I was a pro boxer, so why in the fuck would I go out there and let some pro boxers beat me up, you know? Yeah. Definitely understand. How did uh, how did everything go with with the bare knuckle FC as far as uh, the way they treated you guys? You know, was it was was it comparable to what you're used to? Uh, yeah, man. It, it all it all was pretty great, man. Uh, other than you know, the, the only thing I didn't really like about it is they they kind of kind of was making me the opponent just just strictly because you know they they had already signed Artem, they had already talked about the poly fight. You know, they kind of kind of was like brushing right past my fight to go ahead and get to theirs. But, uh, you know, I didn't really like that. But at the same time, I understand, you know, I mean, their business, it did not make no sense for, for you know, Jason Knight 
to to fight Polly Magdalene or whatever. Nobody gives a fuck about Jason Knight fighting Polly. <laughs> they're already excited. They're already excited about Artem fighting. And uh, on top of that, Artem signed a three fight deal. Polly signed a three fight deal. Jason Knight, all he wanted to do was fight for us once. You know, he, why why would we fucking give him any special treatment? You know, but of course they're gonna they're gonna do like that. So. Yeah, that's why, you know, that, that doesn't really bother me that much. Um, the, the way I look at it is like this. I went out there and I set the standard. I, I, you know what I'm saying? Me and Autumn, we put on a hell of a show. And from now on, anybody who competes in bare knuckles, they're going to be trying to live up to Jason Knight and Autumn or both. You know what I'm saying? From now on, that's, that's the way it's going to be. Everybody's going to try and live up to that fucking fight. And uh, it's going to be hard to do. So, you know, I, I'm excited regardless. And, you know... The way I look at it is I did exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to go out there, show people that I've been putting some work in. You know, I wanted to show the world that fucking I'm trying to make the improvements that I need to make. I'm trying to, you know, to to do what I'm supposed to do to get back to where I need to be. Because, you know, I fell off for a while. I did, uh, did a lot of stupid ass things. And, you know, I mentally, you know, mentally got in a bad place for a little while. I went through a divorce and all kind of stuff. But, you know, all that's over now. And uh, I'm ready to ready to make my way back to either either the UFC or one FC or something like that, or you know, if bare knuckle boxing is is going to pay me the 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 way that I should be paid, I might even stay there, you know. But I'm I'm on my way to 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 getting Jason Knight back and being back on top. You know, there's there's no more fucking you know uh, doing stuff the wrong way anymore. I'm I just I wanted to make the statement that. Yo, I'm putting in the work, and I'm going to start showing results. Hell yeah, man. I'm, I'm glad to hear you're one of my favorite guys to watch. You know, you, like I said, you were you were up there in contention in the, for the, you know, featherweight division for the UFC, and, um, you know, had a lot of things going good for you and just caught a couple of bad breaks. But uh, looking forward to seeing what happens next. Do you have any, any prospects as of now, or kind of just leaving the door open to see what happens? Uh, yeah, no, I had a few phone calls, you know, before, before I ever got the bare knuckle fight. Uh, of course, C- Cage Wars called me, uh, a couple of different Russian organizations called me, but, you know, I still haven't got the call that I'm looking for. I'm waiting to, to hear from 1FC or Risen or maybe even like Bellator or something. Uh, you know, I, that, that's what I'm looking for. I really, really want to fight in Asia. You know, so I'm hoping 1FC calls or maybe even fucking PFL or something, but, uh, you know, something like that. But my main thing is I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, keep getting better and, and work on the things that got me kicked out of the UFC. And, you know, whenever a fight comes my way, I'm going to be ready for it, you know? Hell yeah, man. I think you'd be a great fit for Bellator. Uh, you know, action, action fighters like you do well over there. Um, and over in Asia with one FC, it'd be, be fun to watch too. I mean, you know, it's, they got some, Tons of talent in the, in the lighter weight classes. So, and isn't Bellator about to, there too. isn't Bellator about to start a 145 tournament? Maybe did I see that? Yeah, they are. Yeah, they I just heard announced it last week. That. I don't, I don't really know how how it goes out trying to get in there, but I mean, I, I would be down with that too. I don't, I don't give a damn. I'm yeah, I, I'm I'm game to fight wherever, whoever. Uh, you know, the money the money's not really that big of a deal. My thing is, I'm going to provide for my family doing something that I love and nobody in this fucking world is going to stop me from doing that. So, you know, that's, that's all that matters. 
Hell yeah! Well, there it is. Put the phone call in, Tim. Get him that. Get him in that tournament. Yeah, man. I'll, I'll see what I can. I'll see if I can't get Rich to uh, to to entertain that, man. I think you'd be a, definitely a good yeah. a good fit for uh, for something when like is, that. When is the tournament supposed to start? Ah, that's a good question. I just I just I like it. August. Upon, August. Okay, Justin's on I top. I think of it. I, I think it starts in August. Dude, uh, do y'all honestly believe that I could fucking? I, well, I, I could probably be held up by August. I, I was about to say not June, but maybe August. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How, how many stitches did you end up getting? Uh, before I got to my lip, I had like 40. But uh, right there, right there in the crease of my lip, man, uh, it's like the damn Joker face. Like, it looks oh, like I just man. took a knife and it open, but it was like an inch cut right there. So I don't really know how many stitches are on the inside of my mouth. And there's a few little spots that, you know, my teeth went through. I don't know if they put stitches in them spots or not. But, uh, like, on the – I've got 12 different twelve different cuts on my face that have stitches in them. <laughs> but, you know, uh, I think there's I think there's three that are actual, actual new cuts, you know, that are uh, – that's, that's just from my teeth going through my lips. <laughs> but uh, yeah, all, all the other cuts were just, you know – Scar tissue just busting back open, you know. Shit, it's gonna happen. Yeah, the same cut. The same cut. Yeah, mo- most of the cuts around my eyes and shit, and on my nose, it was just the same cuts that I've already had before going ahead and busting back open. The same cuts that happened in the UFC fights. The same cuts that happened in training and shit like that. You know, it's nothing I can do about it. And I, like that—that's another thing that kind of like pissed me off. In the like, their the score is fucking. You can you can hear uh, Antonio Tarver and them talking about well, Autumn's the one who's doing all the damage. Every time he hits Jason, now he's cutting his face. Well, fuck, my little sister can fucking hit me in the face and cut my face. My 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 four year old daughter can punch me in the face and cut my face. My face is thin as fucking as wax paper, and they're talking about you know what I'm saying that that, that it cuts easy. Uh, he's cutting me because he, he hits me hard. It's not that he hits hard. It's just my face is tan as fuck, and it's gonna <laughs> cut. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that's that's what that made no sense to me. Like, yeah, he he did more damage. Well, of course he did more damage. My face cuts easier than his face. It, you know what I'm saying? It took me it took me until about the fourth round to open him up. But once I opened him up, I opened him the fuck up. You know what I'm saying? But that that's the thing. Like, I mean, well, I don't know. I mean, I think that's something that they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to get an understanding on too. It's like some fighters have more scar tissue than others, so they're gonna cut more. Don't don't think that just because somebody's face looks worse, they're taking worse of a beating or something. You know what I'm saying? Count the fucking punches. Find out who's landing more. Find out who who got more knockdowns. Pay attention to that. Don't pay attention to how somebody looks. Yeah, that's that's definitely an, an issue in in judging that I see a lot. Is you know, if you don't don't really know what you're watching, you see one person bleeding more than the other person. It's easy to to just call that guy the winner, you know. But when you when you know what you're looking at, I mean, like you said, some some guys just bleed easy. That's the biggest problem in fucking combat sports. Period. I feel like I feel like every every mixed martial arts, boxing, you know, every organization like that should all fucking have a big ass group meeting and. Like the judges should should be required to either have to go through some kind of classes or or have to have some kind of fucking actual training, you know. Like I, I fought I fought Jim Allers in the UFC, and uh, 
I got I got a split decision. It should have been a unanimous decision. Well, the one judge who had it scored, you know, wrong. We went back and researched who this guy was. He was a fucking dentist. Why? Mm-hmm. Like, why is a dentist? Why is a dentist scoring a UFC fight? You know, that makes no sense to me at all. Uh, none. And then, like, like the friends at the fight the other night, I don't know who was judging, but I guarantee you that they're not very fucking qualified either, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's the crazy. I mean, they're getting it's getting more organized now, and they're, they're starting to, to set up some classes with, you know, with getting the new rules put together and everything. But before it was, you know, you pay 100 bucks to the state and, you can go do it, you know. It's crazy that you would get people that are not qualified, even up in the UFC level. But um, you know, now they're gonna they're gonna start. I think you know, getting a little bit better training, and and I'm with you. I think that's that'll be real good for the sport. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it has to be. It's something has to happen. And I mean, like you got you got referees that that are good as shit, and then you got some referees that are absolutely horrible. You know what I'm saying? Like. There, there has to be fucking some kind of guideline, some kind of, some kind of like punishment for shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, like there, there's been so many fights that got stopped way too early, or so many fights that a guy damn near got his brains beat out because the referee wasn't worth it. You know what I'm saying? And then absolutely nothing happens to the referee. Uh, some of them, some of them might get fired or something, but they go be a referee somewhere else. You know what I'm saying? Like, there has to be fucking. Yeah, I, you know, I think there needs to be better guidelines and shit. Hey, I, I think you brought you bring up a really good point that it it, it would honestly be uh, a really good idea. I think for their you know after each event, the commission reviews uh, the performance of the officials, and there is some sort of uh, uh, demerit system, maybe you know. So you you get you you know you you lose uh, points if you have early stoppages, late stoppages, just, you know, the laundry list is extensive as to the 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 amount of uh, infractions that one could uh, incur. And, and if you have a certain number of, uh, of rules infraction or, you know, just, just fuck-ups, if you will, then, uh, you know, uh, there's some sort of consequence, either it be it a fine, be it, be it uh, if it's not a fine, then it's uh, maybe their license is uh, revoked for X amount of time. They can only do amateur events, things like that. Exactly. Like we we fucking we get suspensions and shit. Why can't they get suspensions? You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, dude, you did you did this wrong. Sorry, but fucking, we gotta take your license for six months. Sure. You know what I'm saying? I bet I bet you fucking think better next time before you fucking you know do some stupid shit. You're hundred percent right. Yeah. Honestly, I think that's how it should be always. But I, I don't know, man. There, there's so much more shit that could be done right. But it's, it's always you know what I'm saying. It's always gonna be what you say and what you hear not not what actually fuck happens yeah you're about you're about right there man <laughs> well look man we appreciate you taking a little bit of time to to recap this with you we, we wish you the best of luck here moving forward as you as you you know see what's coming next in the the rebirth if you will of uh of jason knight uh, i want to let you uh, have the mic to get some shout outs where they're due any sort of sponsor training love family friends uh anyone you, you want to shout out i'll let you have it uh you know first off i want to say um I said it before the fight. Um, I know a lot of my fans were just like sitting there on the, on the edge of their seat each fight. Like, man, is this is this going to be the performance? You know, is he finally going to do what he's supposed to do? You know, I know that everybody was you know was sitting back thinking that you know it might be over, but uh, I promise you, I'm far from fucking done. Uh, well, what you seen the other night is just the beginning. Now, I'm just now starting to get a little bit better. Uh, you know, I've got a lot of I've got a lot of work to do. 
and you know I'm hungry. Uh, I, I've I've found you know my fire again, and I promise you that you're gonna see a whole hell of a lot more out of me, you know, before this shit's over and done. But uh, also thanks to all my sponsors, Comfort on the Coast, my nerdy neighbor, uh, Carpet Mart, Dreamers Construction, Empire FC. Everybody, thank y'all so much. Uh, also, Empire FC two coming soon. That's uh, that's my promotion. Me, my 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 brother Josh Knight, my other brother Christian Garula, and his brother Lewis Garula. Make sure y'all keep up with Empire FC. We are going to be doing big things in the future. Man, that's great to hear. We will make sure we get you on in advance of your next Empire FC event, and we'll uh, we'll hype that shit up some too, my man. Uh, we appreciate you taking some time out of your evening to uh, to recap all this with us. Uh, make sure our listeners out there, you, you follow Jason Knight. This guy is uh, is an all action fighter. You're not going to see him in fights that are uh, that are boring. And, and you know, so I'm looking forward to what comes next. Uh, looking forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much, Jason. Uh, yes, sir. Uh- Everybody about the Empire FC, whenever we have the fights, it's either going to be on Facebook Live or we're going to have pay-per-view coming up very, very soon. Thank you all so much. Have a good day. Thanks so much to our guest, Jason Knight, for joining us. Make sure you follow Jason Knight in whatever his career leads to next. Like I said, I promise it'll be exciting, whatever it is. Moving on now to uh, the main portion of our show. It is the recap of Valor Fighting Challenge 57. It went down at the Cotton Eye Joe this past Friday night. That was April the 5th. And, uh, man, it was uh, it was another exciting night. It was a bloody night. We had... Uh, we had 13 bouts, and I've got uh, joining us now, uh, of course, our announcer, Jeff Hobbs, man behind the scenes, helps me run shit. He is uh, joining us here as well as Greg Hopkins, familiar face. Uh, you guys, how are we doing this evening? You guys uh, you starting to return to normalcy after fight weekend? Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. Just uh, decompress, you know, on uh, Saturday and Sunday, and then, you know, I'm sure for just like most of you guys, we're right back to work on Monday. and. Back to the real world. Absolutely. Well, we, we of course, we will recap our picks panel as we go here. Uh, going into the event, uh, Jeff Hobbs had a uh, slight lead. And, uh, you know, coming into the event, he was 37 and 12 with a two-fight lead over Greg, who was 35 and 14. Mark Law is uh, three fights behind Greg at 32 and 17. And then the guest spot bringing up the rear at 24 and 25. And uh, so, you know, go, jumping right on in here, we started the night off. We were on Flow Combat, so you can check out all the footage there if you missed it. Started off with a few tie fights, and uh, it was the teens leading us off. It was Brivin Sullivan of American Killer Bees in Cleveland, Tennessee. He was taking on Jacob Hatfield from uh, Hybrid Martial Arts in Lexington, Kentucky. And, uh, you know, Hatfield came in with an 0-1-1 record. Uh, Brivin was a 1-1. Uh, so both guys had uh, similar amounts of experience. Hatfield had gone all the rounds with Zach Hammock before, so he showed he was really tough. Uh, man, it was a close fight, really close fight. I thought that Hatfield uh, kind of had the advantage in round one. Uh, he was getting off first, using his length, uh, just the busier guy, and, uh, you know, just you know, pressed the action. And, and I thought he took round one. Um, the judges agreed with me. I think two of the three did anyway. Uh, round uh, two, Sullivan started to come on, and that and that was another really close round. Um, you know, Sullivan started to get a little bit of swagger to him. He he was starting to land first. He was a little more busy. Started to land some knees in the clinch, and um, and that that round I gave to Sullivan, but it was super super close. 
Third round, uh, I felt like Sullivan really started to, to kind of pick up the pace as Hatfield started to slow down. Uh, Sullivan showing off some some footwork, you know, showboating a little bit, and uh, you know sometimes that'll sway sway the judges in a really close fight. I do I did think def- definitely that Sullivan pulled away there in the third round. There were a couple accidental low blows, uh, I must say, in that third round that that definitely contributed. Uh, to, to slowing Hatfield down. So I, I definitely think we should say that. But uh, both these young men, nothing to hang their head over, went all the rounds, good action. Uh, you know, Hatfield, uh, I think he's, uh, you know, I think he's he's the type of kid that's going to stay with us and, and, and keep at it because, I mean, he's been in there with tough competition and, and survived all the rounds and and, and has won, uh, won a couple rounds. Uh, Sullivan moves to two and one. That's his first fight under David Robbins at Killer Bees. Showed some swagger there. Uh, you know, definitely, definitely a fun, fancy style. And uh, it'll be interested to see uh, what both these young men uh, do as they as they progress through their young careers. Greg Hopkins, you were there calling it live on Flow Combat. Your impressions on these two young men? Uh, you, you said a lot of what I was going to say. They uh, The first round I gave to Hatfield, I thought that, you know, because I took Briven on the, uh, on the panel, so uh, really was kind of pulling for him there, and then Hatfield kind of, you know, took, I think, you know, he took the uh, uh, he took it to a new level in the first round, but I think he gassed a little bit because midway through the second, Brevin started to uh, started to get the upper hand, and then in the third, that's when he started to showboat a little bit and stick his chin out, and you know he uh, he kind of pulled away from it. And there's a, actually one point in time in the fight I don't remember exactly when it was. It might have been the second round. Uh, one one person I don't know which one it was. It might have been Hatfield or Brevin. Not sure which one of them, but one of them got a takedown. And uh, both of them looked like they like one pulled guard, the other one was going like just immediately for a submission, and it just <laughs> kind of showed you what these guys are looking forward to and what we should be looking forward to out of these uh, both of these guys because uh, I think they're both going to transition into MMA later. And of course, the panel was unanimous in selecting uh, Riven Sullivan here, so everyone started off uh, on the right foot here. Uh, the panel all goes one and zero to start the night. Moving on to the next bout, yeah, also in the tie, uh, it was a Muay Thai fight, and this one was a war, man. This one was an early candidate for fight of the night, and uh, it got a little it got a little messy with with some of the calls and, and a little bit of uh, the officiating on this one, but. Tell you what, man, these guys really put it on the line. It was Cody Linder taking on William Burnett, 165 pounds. Cody Linder came in two and two out of Striker Fight Center, teammate with Jason Wolf, who we'll talk about a little bit later in our co-main event. Um, it was a unanimous decision win. He takes over William Burnett, who is making his debut. But, man, Burnett looked like a seasoned guy out there. To be a debut, I mean, he was long, tall, lean, and, and had great technique uh, there, uh, training with Milledgeville Martial Arts with uh, Amun Cosme, who we'd see in the next fight. Oh, man, this one was this was, was good. I mean, the first round was really close. I had Burnett win in the first round. Uh, the second round, Linder started to come on and, and really just <laughs> – Linder's one of these guys that will just will take one to give one. And, you know, he he started to unload with big, like, you know, seven, eight-piece combos, um, you know, on Burnett in that second round. We ended up getting a low blow, I feel like, in that second round uh, from Burnett to Linder. And, and we had a couple uh, – we had a couple moments uh, where there were a questionable uh, if, there, if there was a knockdown or not. Um, there was one knockdown that wasn't called that that probably should have been on Linder, uh, but it wasn't called. And, and as such, we ended up getting a, uh, a decision for Linder in a fight that I felt, man, it could have gone either way. I felt like, honestly, um, and I, I, I should say also there was a point taken for a low blow from Burnett in the third round as well. So the scores were all kinds of wonky and all over the place. 
Um, and so it was one of those fights that I honestly probably could have been okay with it being a draw. But uh, congrats to Cody Linder, man. He moves to three and two and uh, looked good out there, tough, it absorbed some low blows, absorbed some big shots, kept coming forward. Burnett is 0-1 now and probably one of the most dangerous 0-1s you're going to run across. Really good showing for him as well. And uh, really look forward to having both these guys back. Jeff Hobbs, your thoughts? You sat there and watched that one with me. I did. Um, you know, just got to keep in mind that, um, you know, <sighs> In situations like this, you know, a lot of these guys are kind of, uh, uh, I don't want to use say lower level as far as quality, but, but new fighters uh, or maybe new to the tie fighting, things like that. But, you know, there are occasions where um, this is the proving ground for our officials sometimes and referees oh, that uh, that get their feet, you know, that get their feet wet um, to hopefully one day, you know, move down the card, uh, you know, maybe get a, a state or a pro license and get to, you know, so um, – you know, for me, this was just one of those unfortunate times. I'd like to see this fight maybe contested again, um, you know, with maybe more seasoned ref, because um, I'm like you, at, at some point, um, I was kind of just almost cringing at the outcome because I'm thinking, okay, well, if uh, he would have counted that knockdown, you know, we're, we're mandatory 10-8, and, oh, okay, we got a point deduction here. It's like, you know, I was worried this wasn't going to turn out uh, the way – it should or, or was supposed to have uh, on the scorecards. I think ultimately, if you just looked at it like, uh, you know, the old pride days, just uh, flat out who won the fight, I, I think the decision came out correct. Um, but scoring-wise, you don't know. You don't know if it had been, uh, you know, ref a little differently or by a more seasoned ref, um, if that would have ended up that way on the scorecards. All in all, though, it was an all-out war, which is, like I said, why I would like to see it again. Because I think uh, I think it was a good matchup. I think it was a uh, you know good job by you putting these two together. Uh, I'd like to see it again. Uh, you're right, definitely. Second round, uh, Linder came out on fire. Uh, there were so many like uh, I think he backed him up against the cage, and like you said, 15, 16, 17 punched. Uh, you know, combination in a row. Uh, it was exciting to watch. But then we would have that lull in action with the confusion, like what's going on? Was that a knockdown? Uh, why is he cleaning his gloves off and telling them to walk towards them if there was no count? You know, it's just a lot of confusion. So it took away from the enjoyment a little bit of the fight, uh, anticipating what was going to happen. But all in all, great, uh, great matchup, great fight between the two. Um, I just, I would like to see it again. Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't think anyone would mind seeing that one uh, again. You know, it was a great action fight. Rounding out our tie fights. It was a featherweight bout with advanced tie rules, so we got to add the elbows in there, although I don't know that we saw a whole, whole lot of them. It was Lance Tweedy making his tie debut out of the Next Element Academy, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Oh, I got it. I'll go back to this last one real quick. Uh, Roy, uh, who is our guest slot, uh, Mark and Jeff Hobbs all correct on Cody Linder. Greg uh, Hopkins uh, went the wrong way on Burnett in that last one. Uh, Lance Tweedy in the next fight took on a Moon Cosme, uh, one of the training partners of William Burnett, and uh, just a, a stud. You know, he, it was his first fight as a uh, as a tie fighter, but he was undefeated MMA fighter. He's the NFC champion down there. Very, very solid. Um, and he wins a unanimous decision over Lance Tweedy. These guys clashed heads early, and it was like a Moon's head was split just like right in the middle of his forehead. Bleeding okay, not just a complete 
gusher, you know, but it was, uh, it was in a weird spot. And, uh, he, uh, he persevered through that, uh, just really tight technique from Cosme. He's just really, really good. Tweedy, you know, he, he had good moments himself. He really had a good accounting of himself, honestly, against a, against a good seasoned competitor in the moon Cosme, but Cosme gets the win and, uh, we'll look forward to having him back soon, man. He's, he's looking to drop back down to 135 pounds and, and get it back in, uh, with some MMA in that Valor cage. So uh, Moon Cosme picks up the win there. Uh, Jeff Hobbs and Mark both uh, take a Moon Cosme. Greg and Roy took Lance Tweedy. Uh, Greg, your thoughts on this final uh, tie fight? Uh, I think it was an overall dominant performance by Moon Cosme, but Lance Tweedy really did show out for uh, <clears throat> the whole majority of the fight, and he stayed in there the whole time. And I'm not saying like he held on. Uh, or he held his own. He did really well. Like, I mean, he, he took it to Moon Cosme. And uh, when, I mean, he, there was times during the fight where Moon had to, you know, take back and rest because Tweedy just kept going pressure and forward and wouldn't quit. I mean, we saw some drops and everything in there. And uh, uh, I think Lance Tweedy was uh, maybe more of the uh, impressive guy coming out of that fight. But that headbutt that you were talking about that split Moon Cosme up early, early in the fight. I mean, it, he lost a little bit of blood, and I mean, when you get dotted between the eyes like that with a head, but uh, that's pretty rough. And then on top of that, you're doing, you have an advanced tie, uh, you know, tie kickboxing fight in front of you, so you just basically three, two minute rounds of just hammering at each other's head. That was a really entertaining fight, and I enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, but uh, yeah, the Varsity Blues didn't pull through for for me there on a on Wednesday <laughs> right there. He did not. He did not. Uh, that brings us to the MMA portion of the card. The amateurs here. We started off with a lightweight battle. Tanner Poe uh, was one and one uh, coming into this bout with Elijah Gilbertson. Uh, Elijah Gilbertson uh, was making his debut in MMA, and this one only lasted 37 seconds before Tanner Poe landed a big knockout, like a straight knockout. Um, and it felt like we got more than 37 seconds of action, though. You know, it seemed like they were really scrapping. And Gilbertson, you know, he took some shots and uh, and was coming forward. You know, he, there's no doubt that he's game. But Tanner Poe's accuracy and, uh, and quickness was on display. And he picks up what would end up being the knockout of the night. Uh, all four of our panelists uh, were unanimous in taking Tanner Poe. So they all got that one right. And that brought Hobbs to 4-0 and to start the night. Hobbs, your uh, recollection of this one? Uh, not much. I mean, 37 <laughs> seconds. Uh, there's not, not a lot to analyze. Uh, just, um, hell, man. Six-ounce gloves are unforgiving, man. And it's just the way it is. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I picked Tanner Poe, but, uh, you know, had had high hopes for Elijah Gilbertson uh, just based on how entertaining he was and how he held his own in, in the tie fight, uh, the Joe show before. But, uh, you know, I never wanted to tell somebody what to do, but, you know, um, uh, maybe he's uh, better suited uh, for the big for the big gloves right now. Uh, like I said, those uh, those small gloves are unforgiving, man. Uh, they don't lie. And he got uh, he got. It, it was a weird knockout. I know me and you both for a while there. We couldn't we couldn't even determine really where it hit. Right. Um, you know whether it was the shoulder. Did it even hit the head? Uh, it was it was such an oddly placed shot. And, um, but I, I don't in any way think he was, you know, quote unquote, faking the knockout because he was no. definitely out. Yeah, he was yeah, definitely I think he out. Just on his damn neck. Yeah. It was just, it's just it, it hit in a spot that was just odd and that you don't see a lot of knockouts come from. 
but there's no doubt it, it jarred him enough to, to put him out. So, um, you know, congrats to Tanner Poe. And at that point, he had me at 4-0, and so I was happy. Yeah, no doubt. Tanner Poe uh, moves to 2-1 and one and uh, takes no damage. So I, I'm, uh, I'm excited to see him with a quick turnaround probably in June. I'll be starting to, to work on something for Tanner. Uh, up next, it was uh, a bit of an upset, I guess, as far as the panel goes. It was catchweight bout, 175 pounds, a late addition to the car. Jake Norris of Mountain City, Tennessee. Billy Combs brought him down off the mountain, and he picks up a 20-second knockout win over Darren Hastings, who came in at 1-0. and And, uh, man, this one was even shorter than the first one. It was, you know, they came right out and started swinging. And uh, Jake Norris uh, lands a, a big overhand that, that kind of staggered Darren. I think he was – he really looked like he was out on his feet. They hit him with another one, and uh, the referee, Chris Bond, steps in and breaks it up. Uh, Darren wasn't real happy with the stoppage, but I think it was a good stoppage uh, just from what I could tell. Uh, Jeff Hobbs was uh, the lone person to take Jake Norris, everyone else on Darren Hastings, so that runs Jeff Hobbs to 5-0 to start the night. Greg, uh, your recollection of this uh, this uh, this upset here from, uh, from Mountain City, the city of mountains? Um. Not so sure if it was a huge upset. <clears throat> Darren Hastings. Uh, I guess as far as the panel. Oh yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. I mean, I picked, I picked Darren Hastings because, uh, I mean, he, you know, he, he got through his last fight and he finished it and everything, but he did take a couple of shots. And I remembered from the last time his fight when he got jarred. I mean, like I said, this guy's like the, uh, he's more of the type of like he respects the actual martial art of all the martial arts. So he tries to train on them and not so much use them to fight, you know, he just like, but he's testing his skills to see, you know, if it's, if they're legit, you know, and they are, but when you get caught, there's no training that chin, you know, and he got caught solid. I mean, the man's 46 years old, uh, but he's still jumping in the ring and I got a ton, a ton of respect for him. But, uh, I know that, uh, Billy, Billy Combs crony, Jack Norris came in and they said that, uh, he's one of the guys that's able to put people to sleep. So, uh, after I found that out, I did. I wasn't so sure about my pick anymore, but uh, still, I know we'll see Darren back uh, really soon in the cage because, uh, like I said, he respects the whole the RT spectacle of it. So I'm excited to see. And it was a good, you know, it was a good little scrap for a minute. Uh, Could have went either way too, but you know, it's selling Jake's Jake's hands. And uh, congratulations, to Jake Norris. That brought us to a pretty fun one, man. This was a couple of welterweights. Uh, making their debut here. It was Odell Anderson, the Red Rooster, taking on uh, Cody Dennis-Smith out of Olsen's Martial Arts, uh, Tri-City uh, Jiu-Jitsu up in Johnson City, Tennessee. Uh, really kind of a kind of a wild fight, you know. Uh, Anderson had him down early, uh, allowed him to uh, to get back up, and uh, at that point, um, you know, it, it, Smith was able to get him to the ground, and he was able to get a dominant position going for a, uh, if I can recall, I think it was an arm triangle for, or it might have been a rear neck choke. Definitely going for a submission around his neck. And uh, Odell, like, you know, he he hand fought well. You know, he defended it great but uh, and survived the end of the round. But uh, ultimately, uh, Cody Dennis-Smith took that first round. Second round, uh, you know, he ended up catching, uh, I want to say he was going for some sort of uh, footlock maybe uh, at, at some point. But he ended up, uh, uh, Odell scrambled out and ended up on the, on the bottom where he ended up getting uh, TKO'd. And so Cody Dennis-Smith, 
moves to one and zero. Very nice performance. And uh, Odell Anderson drops his debut. Uh, both these guys still solid performances. Uh, Odell Anderson, uh, quite the character. I'm a fan, uh, regardless win or lose. I got you know he's here to put on a show. Uh, Jeff Hobbs. Yeah, I, I, I can't agree more that uh, I, I enjoyed Odell Anderson, the person, quite a bit. Um, you know, the, the fight day is a long day at the venue for, for some of us uh, that are working, and Odell Anderson was there at like 11 o'clock. He was there uh, with asking, <laughs> asking to uh, – he was playing pool. Uh, he, he, found the, he found the work, uh, the, the Joe crew, and – Got the balls uh, to the pool table, and at 11 o'clock was just in there chilling, playing pool all day uh, while we were working. So, uh, But, you know, as good as the guy was, he let me down on my damn picks. I know that much. Uh, um, you know, it was a good fight. Uh, it was definitely – I was more impressed with Dennis Cody Smith than I was, though, disappointed in wow. Odell Anderson. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, that's the best way I can put it. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't so much upset with Odell Anderson's performance. I think he did well for a debut, uh, but it was just more impressed with uh, Dennis Cody Smith's debut. And uh, and, and I think the difference was it, you know it showed Tri Cities Jiu Jitsu with uh, with the Olsen clan. Uh, it paid off. You know the it paid off for him. So uh, I'd be excited again another. Um, Another TKO, uh, you know, for the evening, and it was an exciting fight for the crowd, I think, and for us watching. So excited to uh, see what's next for Dennis Cody Smith. The panel was split on that one. Roy and Mark uh, chose Dennis Cody Smith, so they got the point on that one. Greg and Hobbs both on the Red Rooster, so they uh, that ends uh, Jeff's five fight winning streak to open the night. Uh, we moved on to our next one, which. Uh, this was a this is a this is our token wild brawl as as uh, as was advertised. It was a catch weight of 180 pounds. Colton Dunn moves to three and one with a uh, let's see that one was in the third was that the third round? Uh, second, no, second, uh, second, second round. Second round. Yeah, second round. He gets uh, James Arden out of there with a rear naked choke. And uh, moves to three and one. James Arden falls to zero and two. And this one was just a this was just a couple country boys going down, throwing down. You know, it was uh, you know Arden though was you know was putting everything behind everything he threw and would come out each round uh, with these big huge shots or uh, big spinning kicks. And uh, he was just overcommitting essentially and, and giving his backup too easily to Colton Dunn, who you know to his credit just took took what was given to him. You know take his back he'd take him down he'd advance to mount working a submission and then james arden with absolutely no technique whatsoever would just straight muscle his ass over into you know side mount until he couldn't keep the position and then you know and then you know rinse and repeat <laughs> over and over uh both these guys landed some big shots from the top uh you know like i said they're two big country boys they hit hard and they, you know they're both they're both yoked up dudes, uh, but ultimately uh, Colton Dunn uh, was able to just, you know, show better wrestling skills, better ground skills, and uh, he hands Arden his second loss. I'm a fan of both these guys. Both these guys, you know, they they both put on uh, exciting fights, and while neither are your most technically proficient, uh, you will not lack effort from either guy. Uh, the panel was uh, three to one in favor of Arden on this one. The only one picking Dunn correctly was greg hopkins so greg takes the point on this one the rest of the guys uh lose their don't pick up a point on it greg your your thoughts on dunn versus arden uh we were talking about colton last weekend and uh yeah we're joking about how he spells his name c-o-a-l cole and i was telling you he's a diamond in the rough and he's got that grit that you can't teach 
And uh, like, no offense towards James Arden. I think James Arden's a damn – he's a hell of a fighter, and it's a shame he's 0-3 because his record does not does not show the type of caliber of fighter he is. And uh, uh, just, I mean, props to James Arden because every time he comes out, it seems like he gets – uh, the the scrapper the, like one of the, just probably one of the meanest guys on the card you know every time he he draws you know but he he comes and he always fights somebody that's capable of beating him but uh, like I said again Colton Dunn's got something you can't teach and uh, I think that Colton's going to keep going with this and he'll probably win a few more fights before we can get him uh, get him up there with a shot at the belt again you know somewhere up there man because uh, yeah. I think that Colton Dunn's a contender and uh, you know he told you know, me he's, he's on his way down to 170 I believe. <laughs> he's gonna be a hell of a 170. He's a big. He, he, I mean, he's gonna be a big 172. It'll be a huge one. So, of course, that brings us to our co-main event of the evening uh, for the amateur portion of the card. Anyway, it was welterweights, and it was Emory Norred taking on Carter Beatman. This is a fight we we spoke to both of these guys last week, and uh, we expected uh, good, hard uh, action from both of these uh, these men. They were both confident coming into it. Ultimately, it was Emory Norred getting the rear naked choke submission just a little over two minutes into that first round. Uh, Beekman had his moments, man. Uh, he had he, he ended up busting Emory up. Uh, you know, Emory was bleeding after the fight. Uh, some big ground and pound attempted by Beekman, but uh, Emory just showed a little too much uh, too much uh, ground prowess as far as just being able to be technical and 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 get up in reverse position and eventually got that, that choke. But uh, yeah, Beatman made him earn it. And uh, again, I, I'm going to, this is redundant, but I'm a fan of both these guys. You know, I'm, I'm excited to see uh, Emory move on now. Uh, I'm hoping we're going to get Emory on this May 3rd card. I'm working on uh, a, a number one contender fight for Emory against a solid guy out of Alabama with a rocket city group. And uh, so we're trying to, trying to make that happen. And it looks like Carter Beatman is going to be dropping to 155, hopefully for about in June. Uh, Jeff Hobbs, the only panelist to take Emory Norred. Uh, the rest of the guys were on Carter Beekman. So when Jeff Hobbs gets back on his his winning uh, streak at that point, uh, Jeff, your recollection of uh, Norred versus Beekman? Yeah, uh, I agree. It's just uh, I think it just boiled down to being just uh, a little more trained, a little more savvy, um, you know, on the ground. And you know, like I said, uh, first round rear naked choke, um, Rocket City, huh? Which uh, can you give us a name? Can that go uh, on the yeah, air? Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, I'm working on the Blair Prince guy. Uh, Blair Prince, okay, yeah, that's going to be, yeah, yeah. I, I know I kind of uh, turned you on to those Rocket City guys maybe a year or two ago, and Blair uh, Prince was one of those uh, that I had, you know, had, had given you a while back to, to, you know, just research and look into them. Those are some, those are some fun guys to watch. Uh, well trained down there. Uh, coach's name uh, was that Jason uh, Sanderson. Anderson, yeah. Uh, Sanders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, good, good little, good little crew of guys. So that that definitely interests me. Um, Blair you think that Prince ends up being a pretty good fight. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do a lot. Blair Prince is uh, he's a he's a well trained. He's a good. Yeah, I, that kind of excites me. That's why I had to ask. I had to get the name because uh, that's an that's that's a good one. If you can put that put that together, man, that's a good group of guys. Even to just bring up to Valor and and be a part of of your you know roster of fighters too to uh to pull from it's a it's a good gym good good group of keep people well, hopefully we can make that one happen man because uh yeah now i'm kind of excited too hopefully we can lock that one down in the next day and that will be um, on valor 50 uh valor 58 may 3rd emory i talked to him a couple days ago he's healing up quickly uh and i think really that was just kind of superficial damage if you will 
Uh, and now on to the amateur main event. This is this is awesome. This is fight of the night. It, it ended up getting fight of the night. Uh, it was number one contender bout for at one 145 for the featherweights. It was Andrew Sturdivant coming in at two and two out of Blaylock's IMB, uh, taking on the undefeated Silas Reynolds, who was three and zero out of Shield Systems. Uh, the panelists uh, went three to one in favor of Silas Reynolds, with Mark being the lone dissenter for Sturdivant, and the pan- the majority was correct. As Silas Reynolds gets a third round armbar submission. Man, he, I mean, this was a, this was a great fight. You know, uh, it, it looked like early Sturdivant was going to come out and, and maybe, maybe have a one-sided win. You know, I, I felt like there was no doubt Sturdivant got the first round. He was just really, he was just on his ass, but Silas kind of, kind of weathered that storm. Uh, second round was, was all Silas. Well, I don't want to say it's all Silas. Sturdivant still had his moments, but Silas definitely got the second round and started, the momentum started to turn. Third round, it was, you know, who wants this more? And it was close. Again, we got into a scramble on the ground. Silas picks up an arm bar and now moves to 4-0 and and is the number one contender for that uh, 145 strap. But good performance from Sturdivant. I mean, the kid fights the top guys. I mean, you know, he, he's 2-3 and three now, but a very deceptive 2-3. and three. He's only fought. You know, very, very solid competition, and and as a testament to his will and character, you know, on Monday he he messaged me already Monday. He wants on for May third. You know, he's ready to get that taste right out of his mouth again, which is what we've seen happen in the past with the Dylan D'Angelo fight when he lost in January. He turned right around and beat Garrett Sharp. So, uh, you know, props to props to both these guys. In my opinion, that was uh, the fight of the night, and that it was awarded the fight of the night. Uh, Greg, your thoughts. Uh, everything all said together, I think whoever won that fight like deserved it because it was a hell of a battle back and forth and a grappling match. And it's like Andrew is going to uh, learn quick that, uh, you know, an amateur, when you watch an amateur fight, you can tell if it's an amateur fight because the guy's usually going crazy and he's just, you know, flurrying from this or that, from combination to combination. And they don't, you know, he's got to learn how to stop, you know, and recoup, rejuvenate himself and go back in and uh, quit worrying so much about hitting uh, Reynolds and, you know, and maybe using a little bit of defense. And uh, that could have changed the outcome of that fight. But uh, that's one thing with Sturdivant. We talk about he's young and he's learning, and uh, he's a pretty cool prospect, and we love having him in the cage. And uh, same thing with uh, Reynolds. He's 4-0 now, and it's, in a, it's, a, it's, not a, it's not a little – it's a pretty impressive 4-0. It's not a little nothing 4-0 where he's just fought and just walked over every, you know, little, little nobodies. He's actually fought some great stiff competition, and he's proven himself to be the number one contender. And um, I can't wait to watch uh, – see him, him see him battle for some uh, – for, for some for some color for some gold over there yeah yeah i think he's definitely worthy now uh he's shown that's a, that was a good win I, i'm just uh curious who, who we put him with you know i think him and dylan d'angelo could be really good uh something like that anyway uh that brings us tim, to- I, I think it's uh tim i think it needs to you know be said too again with with our open scoring system now that we're still playing with, mm-hmm. I mean, it was no secret here. We didn't uh, – now, I know we called who won the rounds, but I think the fans need to understand, too, how close this bout was to either just being a majority decision yes. or possibly a draw. We had a judge uh, give that first round uh, a 10-8. That's um, true. I and think so, I forgot about you that. Know, it, it went – you know, all three rounds went to Sturdivant – or all three judges went to Sturdivant. We had some 10-8s sprinkled in there too so as this thing progressed into the third round uh i know i was sitting there after tallying the scorecards you know after every round going 
such an awesome fight, we're fixing to have to announce to a, to the crowd possibly a draw. Yeah, and yeah. you know we were we were close, uh, and that's how close a fight it was uh, until you know I'm glad we got the finish no matter which way it was uh, because it, I was I was eerily kind of just scared like we had a mess what with was going to happen. You know, would would such an awesome, like you said, fight of the night was such an awesome fight. You know, possibly go to a draw um, would have been horrific. You know, for me at least. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sitting where we hey, were, guys, sitting, I wanted to, uh, be a disaster. <laughs> hey, uh, Tim, I yeah. wanted to tell y'all something uh, just to shine some light on uh, the the little co-main event with Emory Nord and Carter Bateman after that fight. Uh, Blaylock, Chet Blaylock went over to uh, Carter Bateman because Park Carter Bateman actually lives around the same area where they train, and he's an independent. Carter's actually joined up over at Blaylock, so next time we see Carter Bateman fighting, we're going to see him a little bit more crisp because he's he's not going to be an independent anymore. He's training with an actual gym now, so good for him. look for some good things. Yeah, look, we'll see some good things out of him at 155, and it'll be cool to watch him. Those guys uh, will get him uh, much sharper. Being able to get the work in with those guys regularly will help a lot. So I'm definitely excited to see that. And a drop to 155 will do him good for, for just his height and reach, you know? Yeah, true. Moving on to the pros. Four of them, three of them females. We started off with a uh, catch weight at 120 pounds. It was Emily Geddes and Ashley Samples. Both coming in at 0-3, so both were looking for that for that first pro win, so they were hungry for it. Uh, Emily Geddes uh, gets, it, gets it to the ground early, uh, working for submissions. Ashley managed to uh, to get out of the first win and started dropping some good hammer fists from the top. Emily, though, relentless in uh, chasing that submission, finally got a, a heel hook just under a minute in and gets that first pro win. Congratulations to her. I know that was uh, uh, very, very special for her. And um, as far as our panel goes, it was two and two. Um, Roy and Greg both took Emily King and uh, Mark and Hobbs both took Ashley Samples. And so uh, let's see here. Let's get uh, let's get a take from uh, Jeff Hobbs here on this one. Yeah, and you know, as expected, uh, this, these girls were going to go to war, trying both trying to get that first win. This is one of those fights. I think we all knew, regardless of who we picked, um, we all wanted to pick both of them, you know, uh, because of, um, you know, what what great girls they are, you know, great people, great human beings. They both are, uh, both classy in, in winning and defeats. Um, and this, this fight, uh, did nothing but strengthen that view of both of them. Uh, it was a beautiful submission by Emily King. There is no doubt it was, um, you know, I think this is one of those fights though, where it was, you know, both Ashley and Emily, I think in, in their past have, have, have just been in there with, you know, bigger and stronger, girls um so regardless of their 0-3 records this was the first time they were in there with i think level competition uh which then was able to showcase you know uh, especially in emily's case how skilled she was when the playing field is 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 even and, and level um now let's not it, it was a, a good quick victory i mean we thought ashley's knee was wrecked you know yeah. for a while there um but let's not uh, dis- discount the fact that Emily uh, Emily King spent the entire rest of the night in that locker room with ice on her face um, with the shot that uh, she took from Ashley Samples. Uh, I know she complained of a lot of pressure behind her eye, and so it just kind of shows you uh, the power that uh, that little uh, body can produce of Ashley Samples. So it was a good fight. Um, 
And, uh, you know, even talking to Ashley after the, the fight, uh, knee throbbing in a brace, uh, she couldn't have been more complimentary uh, of Emily King. So, uh, beautiful fight, uh, beautiful um, sportsmanship, uh, everything you want to see from this sport. Class acts, both of these ladies, congratulations to Emily on getting that first pro win. That brought us to another ladies' bout. This one was flyweights, 125 pounds. It was Taylor Turner, who was unanimously selected by the picks panel, getting the win over Anastasia Bruce, all the way down from New York. Uh, this one was also by submission. It was about uh, just under a minute also into round one, and uh, it was a rear naked choke, I believe. Taylor got it uh, from a standing position and then managed to get it down to the ground and finish that off. Uh, so she moves to three and five and some potential big news uh, coming up for her that I won't spoil just yet. But hopefully by next week, we can talk about that and maybe get her on here to, to talk about it as well. Uh, Greg Hopkins, your your take on Taylor Turner's win. Uh, why you got to tease us like that? Why? What was the news you got going on up there with? I, I, I have to say, I enjoyed uh, Greg's uh, face when I did the post-fight interview and mentioned that. And the look he gave me, the hand gestures, like, what the hell are you doing, man? You're going to say that and not tell us? <laughs> yeah, I know. And now y'all still, y'all still pulling this crap. All right, well, uh, yeah, real impressive victory by Taylor Turner. I think I kind of have an idea of what y'all are talking about, and I'm excited for her if I know what the hell I'm thinking, which I don't. So, uh, yeah, props to her with a, a quick finish over Anastasia Bruce. And um, we've seen Anastasia Bruce in the, in the cage twice, and I think we're going to see her again you know, next month, probably, because, I mean, the girl likes to travel down from New York and throw down with us here in the South, so... Uh, yeah, she's, she's going to be, be taking back. on Emily. Uh, Emily, uh, Emily King will be a uh, quick turnaround. They're going to uh, face off at Smoky Stadium. Oh, wow. She just heard the KMAA. They just, she must have something against them. She's, she's <laughs> like three miles, man. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> moves yeah, on to our co-main event of the evening. We were all looking forward to this one. Uh, this one uh, a little bit odd. It was at a catch weight of 175 pounds, but they weighed in at three o'clock the same day. So both these guys uh, would not typically fight that heavy. Um, David Robbins taking on Jason Wolf. Uh, David Robbins moves to three and zero with a, uh, a, 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 I guess it would be a TKO uh, about halfway through round one. Um, yeah, first uh, couple minutes, a uh, little bit of feeling out process. David landing some good kicks. Uh, finally hits him and drops him uh, and follows up with uh, some big ground and pound. Um, Jason Wolf falls to three and four, and uh, you know, bit it'll be uh, interesting to see what Jason does next. You know, I know he's uh, contemplating what his next move is, uh, coming off a couple losses in a row, uh, but but taking on really tough guys. You know, Jason Wolf doesn't fight slouches; he's always in there against really tough guys. And you know, David Robbins is is a hungry one. You know, that's a, one of these young bucks that 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 wants it and is is on that come up. So. 3-0, uh, definitely the, the best win of David's uh, pro career thus far. And uh, he's looking for a quick turnaround himself probably in May. Uh, I'm going to go to both you guys for your take on it. Jeff, I'll go to you first. Um, yeah, it was a good fight. You know, uh, like I said, kind of the feeling out process in the beginning. Uh, I think, uh, and again, this is just my opinion, and I'm fucking nobody. Um, I, you know, I thought they were kind of going tit for tat, but I'm not sure all the time if it's necessarily – a feeling out process and a tit for tat as much as it is David letting it be. That's how I feel watching, you know, David's fights is, is um, he, he wants to get time in there a little bit. And so I don't know how much of it is David playing with his opponent. 
you know, and I don't know, maybe I'm giving them more credit, uh, you know, than I should. But that's how I feel. I think, and, and that's a, that's really a compliment to him from me, and, and kind of a backhanded way there is just um, not that he's purposely playing with them, but you know, I think he he uses the feel out process a little longer than he has to. I think if he wanted to, uh, he could just bust right in, you know, through the cage door and probably in these fights in the first minute instead of just the first round. Um, so, you know, but Wolf started out, you know, tit for tat, like I said, uh, David would give him a leg kick, you know, the Wolf would return one right back. And uh, they just kind of kept trading shots like that for a little while. Uh, but I think there's just something internally. I don't know if it's his internal clock or his corner calling out what what time of the round we're in where he just goes ahead and says, okay, let's engage. And and as we've seen in all three fights uh, as a professional, they've all finished in the first round. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's by luck. I think it's by design. I think that internal clock in his head knows when it's time to turn it on and when he wants to go ahead and, and try to end it. And, and he's delivered every time. So, you know, I, I know Jason Wolf's kind of long in the tooth now, you know, he's, he's, he's getting on up there in age and I, you know, I'm interested too in the, where he goes after, you know, back-to-back losses here. Uh, I'm sure there's still fights out there for him. Uh, that would be fun for us and fun for the crowd and fun for the promotion. I uh, hope he sticks around and, and explores those matchups because uh, I think he's good for us. I think he's good for Valor uh, because he's a stand-up guy. He's the kind of guy you love working with, yeah, uh, respectfully. Yeah, reliable, respectful, shows up. He's on weight, and it's, I think he's an asset to Valor. So I hope he does stick around. Uh, David Robbins, I think, you know, wherever he goes right now is probably, uh, up to him. You know, uh, I think he's got full control over whatever it is he wants to do right now. So, um, whether that's kind of, uh, you know, toil around with, uh, guys with similar records, uh, maybe new in their pro career or him come to you, Tim and say, I want you to go find me, you know, a big fight, a killer fight, you know, bring in, somebody with a big record, you know, I, I think that's totally up to him. I think, and I think he'll be successful either way he chooses. Well, I can say that, uh, that's in the works. Uh, I can't say anything yet cause we are still a little ways off from confirming, but, uh, in the works, uh, potential main event fight for Smoky stadium. If we can make this uh, happen in the next day or two anyway, against a guy with, uh, you know, a UFC veteran actually, uh, that hopefully we can make that uh, come to fruition and, uh, have some more details on that next week. Uh, Greg, your thoughts on the co-main event. Uh, hats off to Jason Wolf. He's a he he's a hell of a competitor. I was just, just I was just sucked. I didn't get to see him try to do any wrestling or take David down at the duration of the fight because that's his bread and butter. And I thought that he was gonna really enforce that, but he didn't. He didn't really get a chance to. The reason he didn't get a chance to is uh, because David Ruthless Robbins. They might as well change his name to David Ruthless Robot Robbins because, like you're talking about, he could end it uh, real quick. But David's the type of person. He is. Uh, um, <clears throat> he's respected martial arts and all he does every day he teaches mitts he does he, and he, he practices mitts he, he does he does bag work he's such a technician on everything he does and it's hard it's hard to fight somebody like that when they're completely technical and he's strong he does it all the time so like when you're sparring with david and you're trying to like you know knock his arms down he keeps he's able to keep his hands up all the time you know but uh this was the tough this was the toughest fight for him up to date and in his pro career and uh like you said, wherever David wants to go from here, I think that uh, I think we're going to see some big things out of David Robbins real soon. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. Definitely excited to see uh, where his career takes him and uh, seeing him again real soon, man. Uh, that brought us to the main event, another female fight to close us out. And uh, we've been doing some female main events. That's kind of we've had more female main events than male main events this year, I think. It was uh, the undefeated Shamir Helikitty Peshewa stepping out for promoter duties to face Gina Jellybean Elliott in Victor Vet. This one was, uh, you know, a coin toss on paper. I think the the panel was split two and two. Greg and uh, and Hobbs. Uh, both on the winning side for this one, the Shamir Peshewa picks up a third round TKO in a fight that was one to one, I think, uh, going into the third. Maybe it was really close. Uh, both ladies had their moments. Uh, Gina Elliott uh, was taken by Roy and Mark, and um, you know she was definitely going for that takedown. She was she was intent on getting uh, the fight to the ground. Shamir did a good job of uh, you know fending off submission attempts, keeping the fight standing, uh, keeping that wide base, and, uh, and and finally able to uh, to do what she wanted to do, um, standing and get the fight to the ground and, and, and get some ground and pound, and finally got the stoppage. Uh, moves to two and zero. Oh. Uh, so congratulations to Shamir and uh, Gina. I think uh, I think that was going to be her last MMA fight. Still a good performance from her. Uh, a, a, a consummate professional to work with, and it was a pleasure, of course. Uh, let's go to uh, Greg first for your take on the main event. Uh, I'll be, I'll go ahead and be honest. That event was not at all whatsoever what I expected it was like what I expected it was going to be. I, I I mean. I look at it now, and I'm. I, I, it was more than I would expected. It was uh, more than I could have asked for. But what I thought it was going to be was a grueling ground battle. And I knew that Shamir likes to fight and throw and, and get bloody and whatnot. But uh, I thought that Gina was going to be able to get it to the ground and uh, make a make more of a grind out of it. But Shamir really used the cage. She was able to back up into the into the cage and really use it to her advantage on all the takedowns, which is really impressive. Uh, there was at one one point in time in the fight, uh, somebody got kicked in the face uh, when they were down, and it happened so quick. I don't know if y'all remember the exact moment, but it was bang bang. Like it, sure, it was. It looked like it might have been illegal. Yeah, yeah. It looked like it might have been illegal, but I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I really don't. I was so quick, and it was. I mean, even for the referee. Hey, I'll go ahead and touch back on that. You know, these referees. Like, well, uh, never mind. We'll get back. We'll get on that another dime. We'll, I ain't going to harp on the referees at all. But, uh, <laughs> and, yeah, I'll just leave that alone because they're human beings too. And uh, they mess up sometimes. But, anywho, uh, yeah, it was an impressive fight. And uh, hats off to Shamir for uh, playing playing the game and fighting the right fight for herself to win because I think if she plays the game of going to the ground – and uh, letting Gina control her on the ground, I think that, like, you know, stuffing the shots there really, really was the beneficial part for her in the fight. And uh, hats off to Shamir for that win. Jeff Hobbs. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I agree with his statement that uh, the key to victory here was uh, stuffing the takedowns. Uh, no matter what was happening on the feet um, or how one-sided it seemed like the fight was, was leaning towards uh, Shamir, uh, you still – you still kept telling yourself if this goes to the ground, if she gets this takedown, takedown, you know, it could very well be over because, uh, I mean, it's no secret. Gina is very skilled on the ground. She is technical. She's surgical on the ground. It's what she does 24 seven. Uh, you know, 365 is, is jujitsu. So, um, so stuff in the takedowns was, was the key to victory. And it, and it, I believe is what sealed the victory. Uh, she, Gina just, she committed too much and relied on it way too much. Uh, 
you know, the head between the legs and, and holding around uh, the thighs technique, uh, you know, for, for four minutes is not going to win you a fight. Um, I, I do say I, I don't think the referee necessarily made a mistake with uh, that head kick um, because it did happen so fast. There's no way you could expect him to uh, know for sure uh, if it was illegal or not. And, you know, we don't have the uh, luxury of instant replay. From the naked eye, I thought it was an illegal kick. I thought she was, to me, I thought she was clearly down uh, when the kick uh, left the uh, left the ground and, and made contact. I think where the mistake was, was on Gina's part for not, you know, stalling and taking more time and at least making the referee uh, acknowledge you know what had happened. At least cause some confusion, uh, question, do some sort of tactic to uh, use the time. Even if you're not hurt, take you, you know, use it to your advantage. If it was an illegal kick, then catch your breath, get your wits about you again. Um, what made that? Well, I mean, that you can look at that in the judges' eyes. You know, if you do something like that, the judges can look at that too, and that could sway them into your favor because you know you just took a hard shot and it was probably illegal. You know, that's a big yeah, thing, too. You're saying take your time, yeah. Yeah, yeah and I, I just think, like I said, I think the mistake was made, and what made the the uh, the situation even more confusing was how quickly the right. fight resumed, you know, resumed after it, because everybody's thinking, what the hell just happened? Why didn't uh, the referee, uh, you know, get, get more involved? But, you know, the reason why he didn't was because Gina stood up and, it, it was like, let's go, you know, let's go. Yeah, props to her, you know, because you know, ultimately that's one where, and, you know, again, hindsight's twenty twenty when you look back on this stuff, but that's one where she very well could have, you know, been like, that was, a, you know, the referee probably would have just taken her word for it. It was so bang, bang. It was, you know, and he had stopped, he had, you know, it seemed like he had recognized it, but she, she, she brushed him off so quickly you know, that, you know, she very well could have been like, yeah, that was that was a bad shot and would have gotten that recovery time. And who knows what sort of uh, who knows what sort of sympathy from the judges. Ultimately, it didn't matter because we didn't go to the judges. But uh, yeah, yeah, that was one of those well, where and I really, think, she probably could have had that any way she wanted it. Well, and I think that falls into the same situation, uh, kind of like Anthony Smith, when it's that early in the fight. And if it's an intentional, you know, and that would have been intentional, you know, that wasn't an accident. That was an intentional kick. Um, you know, could she have maybe uh, taken the disqualification, you know, that early? Because it would not have gone to, it wasn't, we weren't long enough into the bout to go to the judges' scorecards or anything like that. Or, you know, hell, she may have been able to take a win. I don't know, you know, I'm not going to lie and say I know the rules on that, but I feel like that's the way it would have gone uh, as a disqualification had she not been able to continue or said she couldn't continue. So, um you know, I and, and I'm like I, I did talk to Gina before the bout because you know during my introductions I like to you know if I can throw something in there I asked her you know is this going to be your last fight is this something that that I can when I announce your name you know a tidbit that I can drop in there you know in her last you know mixed martial arts game. and and she would not let me say that um, yeah. because she said you know I don't never want to say never. Um, I don't know if a year down the road I'm going to get the itch again, and I don't want to be that person that keeps saying I'm retired and or say I'm retired, and then next thing you know, you turn around and you see me fighting again. So uh, I don't think she's necessarily closed the door on uh, on competing. She's at least left it open enough to, to say, um, you know, I don't want us saying that officially because I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I'll get the itch again and, and need to scratch it. So 
Um, you know, I don't know. Maybe we'll see. But all in all, like I said, good fight for Shamir. I think Greg nailed it on the head. Uh, congrats to her for uh, fighting the fight she needed to to secure the win. Um, you know, they fought at distance most of the most of the fight. Um, but when Shamir would engage and, and come forward, it was effective, and she was she was touching Gina uh, quite a bit. Um, she just, I just, you know, I felt she wasn't engaging as much as she should. And I know, uh, because my table was right next to, uh, Eric Turner, it wasn't engaging as much as, uh, her coach wanted her to. Um, but again, she was fighting the fight that I guess she felt she needed to fight to, to secure the victory. But, uh, I think in her coach's eyes, listening to their coaching from the corner, uh, they definitely felt that if she would have pressed the action more and come forward more, that she probably could have gotten the finish a lot earlier. So, um, I don't know. Um, I, you know, I would want to say that there may be, you know, some other, uh, possible matchups out there at, at Shamir's weight class, but I think she trains with most of the possible, uh, you know, and matchups and stuff in, in her area. So, um, you know, I, I guess for Valor and for Valor's matchmaker, uh, they'll have to continue to maybe look outside of our region and our area to bring people in for her. Um, like I said, because uh, the majority of the female fighters in our area train at her damn gym. So, um, I, you know, I don't know. We'll see. There's some things out there I, I know. Um, she's a scrapper, that's for sure. So that will conclude our recap of Valor 57. We have Valor 58 coming up around the corner here about, uh, oh, we're about three or four weeks out from that. I guess we're about three weeks out from that. Uh, we'll be talking about it in the coming weeks as a recap. Uh, Jeff Hobbs is uh, the, the uh, for the, for the week Hobbs has the, uh, went in with the lead and, and extended that lead. He went 10 and three on the night, really solid. Uh, both Greg and uh, Roy went eight and five and then Mark went seven and seven. So uh, Hobbs extends his lead. He's now 47 and 15. Uh, Greg is now four behind him at 43 and 19. Mark drops to 39 and 24, so he's eight back. And then the guest slot gets over 500 now at 32 and 30. Nice. Uh, I don't think we got to worry about the guests taking over the lead anytime soon. Uh, but Hobbs uh, is, uh, has got a four-point lead going into May where we'll have uh, two shows to pick, so it's still anybody's ballgame out there. Uh, How many more of these we got, uh, What's that? How many more of these we got for the, how many more of these we got for the quarter, man? Um, I was thinking we would do it uh, up through like the the halfway mark. We would call it up through June. Through June, shit. Come on, so man. Like, Let's not yeah. get time to catch up. But we still want a beach trip, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Working. <laughs> hey, I, hey, listen. I hey, and just for the record, though, man, I, I just want to put it on record here before we even start, man. I want to give props um, to uh, the matchmaker, whoever the hell he is. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Um, look, you look at this card right here, and, and I know a lot of people can look at uh, local cards, and you see a lot of you know out of town fighters. And let, let it be said that uh, uh, this card was eight and five on both sides of this card. You know, uh, it there was a lot of red corner wins on this card, which I think is because there was a lot of uh, well matched, evenly matched bouts on here that could have gone either way. And you know, it was it was eight and five, eight to five for the blue corner, but you look at like the Sturdivant fight at, at, at one point could have gone any way. The Hatfield fight that we started the show with could have gone, you know, either way at any, you know, at any time. Uh, this card was close to being split right down the middle uh, for the hometown crowd and for the out-of-towners. Um, so I think it was, uh, you know, it, it needs to be said 
and props needs to be given to uh, to you, Tim, for the card that was put together. Well, much appreciated, my man. We we try we try our best to to deliver a a solid fight card for everybody and, and keep everybody guessing as best we can. So if we can be split like that or at least close to it, then I, I'm happy. So that brings us uh, to the end of our of our uh, our recap here of Valor 57. I appreciate you joining us, Jeff. I'll let you hop off here as we uh, get ready to wrap this thing up with some uh, some draft teams talk for UFC Atlanta. We will uh, we will talk to you uh, before May third. All right, that brings us to our final segment of the show. We are going to have a look at this UFC 236 card. It's coming up this Saturday from Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, not too far down the road from us. It's a pretty solid card, gentlemen. And uh, looking at uh, the DraftKings prices here this evening for some of these uh, some of these bouts, a uh, reminder that we have our free DraftKings game up and going. Uh, if you go to the Valor Hour Facebook page, you will find a link for said free game. And you can join uh, join in with us and, and put your uh, lineup in. It's free. You get first place. You get two tickets to May 3rd, uh, Valor 58 in Knoxville. We're going to give away a set of tickets every time all the way up to it. And uh, you can you can see how you line up against myself uh, and also Justin and Greg. Gentlemen, uh, pretty solid lineup we've got here. We start off uh, with some Fight Pass prelims. It's been a minute since we've been on Fight Pass. They've switched it up here. We've got four fights uh, on Fight Pass. We've got uh, we start off with a bantamweight contest. It's the first fight at bantamweight for Brandon Davis. Uh, good action fighter. He's going to be taking on the undefeated Randy Costa. He's only 4-0 and has fought some suspect competition, to say the least. Um, the price on Brandon Davis is $8,700. Uh, Randy Costa at $7,500. Then we have a female contest at 115 pounds. It's Pollyanna Botelio, who is taking on Lauren Muller. Uh, Muller's 5-1. She's been on the Contender Series. I believe she was on a season of The Ultimate Fighter. Uh, trains at the lab, uh, taking on the Brazilian Botelho, who is the favorite here. She's a pretty uh, hefty price, to eighty nine hundred dollars, whereas Lauren Miller or Muller will come back at seventy three hundred dollars. Uh, up next, we've got another bantamweight contest. Montel Jackson takes on Andre Sukumtai. Uh, and Montel Jackson, seven and one, super tall, rangy, uh, bantamweight. Sukumtai is, uh, you know, more a short, compact guy. Uh, you know, he was doing well against uh, against um, the the kid from uh, oh shit, the kid from the lab. Also, uh, uh, he's he's a fun one. He's got the 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 fro, and he's uh, he's uh, Sean O'Malley. Yeah, that's it. Uh, he, he probably could have beat he probably could have beat Sean O'Malley, but uh, his fight IQ was lacking in that one. But he's a tough guy. And uh, Montel Jackson is a heavy favorite. Ninety four hundred dollars he is uh, on DraftKings. Andre Sukumtai only sixty eight hundred, and I can immediately peg Andre Sukumtai as a guy that I like at that sixty eight hundred dollar uh, mark. Just stylistically, I think this is a really tough um, test for Montel Jackson. And Sukumtai has fought some really tough guys. And regardless, I think he does. It's going to be hard for J- Jackson to get him out of there. So I think Sukumtai can at least go the rounds and maybe get some takedowns and some points. Rounding out the uh, fight pass prelims, it's Bilal Muhammad taking on Curtis Millender at welterweight. And uh, Bilal Muhammad is the favorite. He's $8,500. Millender, $7,700. Let's go to you, Greg, first. Any of these first four uh, prelim fights stand out to you as anything to keep an eye on or uh, any any plays that that you think would be uh, worth mentioning for your lineups? Uh, One I will keep my eye on is Brendan Davis. 
that's that's uh what what where is he he's eighty seven. He's eighty seven. He's 87. He's not. He's kind of prone to not score a lot of points, and he's lost three out of his last four bouts. Uh, but when he, I'm gonna I'm gonna pay attention to that. I don't know if I'm gonna take him because at 87, you have to get a finish there, and he's been prone to not score. So he's one of the ones that's on the radar for me for that fight alone. But other than that, I don't want to have uh, any of these first four for the prelims. Uh, maybe Curtis Millinder. Maybe not. We'll just have to see. Uh, I've got a lot more studying to do because this whole card is so, like, I think it's so evenly matched. And um, I'm hoping I can get tickets to go to some bitch, too, because it's just, like, less than two hours away. It's like yeah, right down the road. So. You, man. Uh, Justin, your thoughts on these fight pass prelims? Anything stick out to you? As, uh, you know, we've, we've seen this trend where the lowest price guy on the slate has uh, been pulling the upset. In this case, Sukum ties that dude. Yeah, that's what I was getting to say uh i think that the that's worth uh taking a shot at on this one um Sugumtaz, he's not a pushover you know I, I think that he's gonna give jackson a run for his money it kind of surprises me that they're that far off yeah i think so too man because uh like i said i think he's gonna be the uh the toughest test yet for jackson i, I can definitely see me getting Sugumtaz into some my lineups which will open up plenty of salary to spend up in other places. Uh, personally, I'm not very interested in the Brandon Davis uh, cost of fight. Cost is too much of an unknown. He's got a lot of really fast knockouts versus not very good competition. Uh, Davis moving down to 35, a little bit of a question mark there because he's not cut that low before. So we'll see if that in, impacts his durability. Um, that said, you know, as Greg said earlier, he's the kind of guy that wins a lot of fights by like, decisions that are kickboxing matches that don't score a lot of, you know, takedown points. And, um, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't finish a lot of fights. So I don't have a lot of interest in that one. I could maybe see myself having a little interest in Botelho some, but it's, it's a high, it's expensive. And, and, and Lauren Miller is, is still a pretty durable fighter. And I don't know if, if getting a decision there is going to be worth the 8,900, but uh, Muhammad and Millinder is like, I don't want any bit of that on either side. That's, that's really close. And, and I don't, I don't think that, that I would want to take a, take a leap on either side. Uh, going on next to the ESPN prelims, this will be on big ESPN. We've got Boston Salmon taking on Khalid Taha, who is a German fighter, Boston Salmon six and one. Uh, Khalid Taha is 12 and two and Salmon is the favorite here at $8,600. Um, and the German fighter Khalid Taha comes back at 7,600. Uh, then we've got Max Griffin up next and he is taking on Zalim Amadeev, who is undefeated. He's eight. No, uh, Russian fighter. Uh, they have got this one, uh, very close. It's one of the closest, uh, the closest salaried, uh, fights on the card is uh, the Russian uh, Amadeev is eighty two hundred dollars. Max Griffin eight thousand dollars. This is another one that I'm really kind of not going to see myself having a lot of action on because um, there's just a lot of unknowns with the Russian. Uh, up next, we have got a flyweight bout. We don't see a lot of flyweight bouts much anymore, but we've got one here. Wilson Hayes takes on Alexandra Pantoja. Uh, who's really good. He's uh, the number six ranked flyweight, and he's 20 and three. Um, and uh, he's been on a tear. You know, he's, he's the favorite here, $8,800 on uh, DraftKings, whereas Wilson Hayes comes back at 7400 I could see myself going with Pantoja here at 8800 And then rounding out the uh, the prelims, we've got Jalen Turner, who is taking on Matt Frivola. And Frivola is from down in Florida, I'm pretty sure. 
or maybe he's from New York. Shit. Uh, Jalen Turner is in New York. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Turner, he's like super tall from what I remember and long. And in last time out, he put up a lot of points. He knocked the guy out real fast. And uh, as such, he is the favorite here. Um, and Jalen Turner's $8,400 uh, and Matt Frivola's $7,800. I've seen uh, – now, Frivola, I feel like I've seen getting knocked out kind of recently. So I, I've seen maybe a little bit of uh, value in Jalen Turner at 8400 to maybe get that stoppage. Uh, Justin, your thoughts on the ESPN prelim? Yeah, I'm with you on the, the Jalen Turner uh, pick. Yeah, I think that the, the size is going to be – um, just a little bit too much for Frivola. Um, looking forward to the, the Hayes and Pantoja fight. Pantoja's a monster. Um, I think there's good value in, in him on that one, too. Greg, anything here? Leap off the page. Uh, the Jalen Turner fight uh, stands out more to, more to me than all of them. I want to see this. Uh, how do you pronounce his name? Pantoja the Russian, the Russian? No, the Russian? The Russian. It, uh, it, I think it's uh, I'm a Dayev. Amadeev, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of excited to see him fight Max Griffin. I'm, it looks like it's going to be a, a – I just – all these Russians are coming in here, and they're damn – I mean, they're just so fucking strong. It's hard to – I mean, they you know, they get – they can't – I don't know. I want to see what he does with the wrestler here. Let's just see how this fight goes. I think that's got a candidate for fight of the night. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely one that – you know, Griffin is generally in pretty exciting fights of anything. Uh, that brings us to the main. Uh, well, is that does that bring us to the main card, or we still have more? Yeah, people? one, two, yeah, three, five. No, yeah, that's right. Main card, pay per view portion of the card. We've got OSP, our very own OSP, out of Knoxville, Tennessee, KMAA, down in Hotland, and taking on Nikita Krylov. And uh, this is a, a rematch, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and Ovin St. Prue and Krylov are very closely priced. Actually, uh, uh, Krylov is he, he's the slight favorite here at 8,200, uh, whereas uh, Ovin's comes back at 8,000 even. I really like uh, Ovin's here. He's I, he's already beat the guy. You know, I hope I'm not just completely off base here, but I'm pretty sure he's already beat this guy. He did. Uh, he has? Yeah. Okay, yeah, he's he's already got the win over this guy once, and he got him uh, out of there. You know, when he, when he fought him the first time, he got him out of there uh, with a submission. I want to say it was uh, Von Prude, maybe shit. Yeah, um, was it? Yeah, yeah, it was Von Prude choke first round. It's been about five years ago. So you know, uh, Krylov obviously, I'm sure, has improved since then. We'll see if he's got any new tricks up his sleeve for Ovens. Uh, and then uh, we'll see uh, the uh, the next bout on the pay per view is uh, this one could be a fun one. Welterweights, Alan Joban taking on Dwight Grant. Dwight Grant he he got a, a big win his last time. It seems like this is the fast turnaround for Dwight Grant. Um, he it seems like he was fighting pretty recently and he got a knockout and put up some big points. Joban he's a he's a tough he's a tough opponent though for sure and he's the favorite. Joban is eighty three hundred and Dwight Grant is seventy nine hundred. Greg uh, either either of these two first fights on the pay per view uh, stick out. Um, I've got I've got OSP in my lineup. Uh, he's pretty good value at eight thousand. There's a decent chance he could get another uh, the same finish in the same same way. Uh, Trying to look if I got anybody else. I don't have anybody else up on here, but I was looking over um, Dwight Grant in this fight, and I didn't. I'm anxious to see how he he stands up against so uh, against Alan Alan Jobin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Grant has maybe a little bit of value here just because he's a hitter at 7900. I could maybe see him uh, getting into a few of my lineups. Justin, uh, any thoughts? 
I like Joe Ban in that fight. I think that uh, he has the potential to grind out and pick up some big points. Uh, I also like Ovens. You know, like you said, he he uh, hit the the Von Pru choke last time on on Krylov, and um, and I, I I like Krylov a lot, but. Uh, He's since he's been back in the UFC, he just really hasn't uh, hasn't shown that much. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, Ovens looks good. He needs he needs a good performance. Yeah, I think this is one that Ovens is definitely uh, should be hungry for. Man, this is uh, you know he needs to get in there and get a win. Uh, he's going to be the superior athlete for sure. So uh, looking forward to that one. Uh, moving on to the featured bout on the pay per view, it's going to be uh, Eric Anders, another guy, uh, Valor Vet. He's eleven and three, taking on Khalil Roundtree. This is one that, uh, on paper, should be a war. Uh, you would think that one of these guys is going to hit a knockout. They're both hitters. Uh, that said, I've been I've been shocked before by how things play out. Uh, Eric Anders is one of the more sizable favorites. Nine thousand uh, dollars he'll cost you. Uh, Khalil Roundtree is seventy two hundred dollars. Um, I actually don't necessarily hate Khalil Roundtree at that price. Uh, I I don't know that I'll pull the trigger on him, but if he's gonna win. He's probably going to win by knockout, but Eric Anders is going to be really tough to knock out. So, you know, that's really it's a really hard call. Uh, Justin, either one of these guys uh, look good to you? Um, this, this one's a tough one. I think that um, Eric Anders is. You know, I think that he's got um, more pressure. Um, you know, he could potentially you know score some points, but I think Roundtree's striking is just a little bit better. Uh, I, I'm I like the value on Roundtree too. He may end up getting on some of my lineups. I probably won't, won't take Anders, though. Greg, either one of these guys going to make it into your lineups? Probably. No, probably not, just because of the uh, – this is just one of those times where it could go either way. Uh, I mean, Eric Anders is also a grinder. He's mean. I mean, he, he he's a, a spectacular athlete. I mean, it's hard to count him out of any fight, but – I don't know that he shows the same. And he, he, I mean, he's fought, you know, top-notch opponents, you know, the whole way around. But um, I don't have either one of these guys on any play here. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to have a finish out of Anders, I think, to deliver value. And I just don't know that I've been seeing him putting the pedal to the metal in these these most recent fights to just go all out to get those finishes, you know? Uh, we'll see, though. Uh, the co-main event, I'm pretty excited for this one. Israel Adesanya takes on Kelvin Gaston. And uh, Adesanya is the uh, the heavy favorite, ninety two hundred dollars. Uh, Kelvin Gastelum only seven thousand dollars. I can tell you right now, I'm going to be all over some Kelvin Gastelum at seven thousand dollars. Stylistically, if he's able to get takedowns, uh, he's going to get some points. I think even if he maybe eventually gets caught, but I'm not uh, I'm not buying into it just yet. I'm ta- I'll, I'll have Gastelum at seven thousand on my lineups to allow me to to spend up elsewhere. Greg, any any thoughts on this co-main event? Uh. I'm actually taking the style banner out of Sonya uh, here, but that's not in stone yet because I'm, you know, my pedigree is wrestling and I love wrestlers. And like, I also am very uh, biased when it comes to wrestlers, just because I know that if Kelvin's able to get in on the long Israel, if he can get in on him and take him down, it's not going to be a great night for Adesanya. I mean, he can get up, but, I don't know if he can remain like because I think Kelvin's able to. He can you know slam him back to the ground because you know, Israel I don't think he's ran into a wrestler like Kelvin and Kelvin's like top notch. You know uh, I'd love the value at seven thousand for Kelvin, but um, you could probably possibly get a knockout by Adesanya here too. So I've got Adesanya for ninety two hundred on my lineup. Justin, 
I think I'll be taking Kelvin uh, at that price. You know, I, I like Adesanya, but just, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think he definitely hasn't fought a wrestler like Kelvin yet. And you know, it's just it's just a totally different different aspect. I think Adesanya's takedown defense has been good so far, but um, you know, it's, I don't know. It's just a little different. And Kelvin, you know, definitely has potential to rack up some points with the takedowns. Uh, and I don't think that Adesanya is going to be able to finish Kelvin. Um, so I don't see him scoring a ton of points. Moving on to the main event. This is the big one everybody's waiting for here. Max Blessed Holloway taking on Dustin Poirier. And Max Holloway, one of the bigger favorites on the card, $9,100. Dustin Poirier coming back at $7,100. I don't hate prices on either guy, uh, but I've still got to go with Max Holloway until somebody, you know, somebody knocks him off. This is one of the ones where I am probably going to spend up and go ahead and pay the $9,100. Uh, it being a five round fight, especially, I think we got time to rack up some points. And with some of the savings, I'm going to get down there on Gastelum. I feel like I'll have the money to spend up on Holloway. Uh, Justin, yeah, I'm, I'm with Maxi Baby. His uh, record proves himself. You know, he's he's constantly putting up good points, and uh, he's a safe pick, I think. Greg, I'm going to be that guy that says. Every time somebody gets on that streak and they get that, you know, that Hollywood status famous and they're that good and they're so high up on the pedestal. Like, I remember when Chuck Liddell was just like king shit in the day and he when he got knocked out by Rampage, it just changed my whole like perspective of him and May completely. I was like, holy shit. Did not, did not expect that to happen. But uh, here again, I do not expect Dustin Poirier to, to, to hang with Holloway. I mean, Holloway went five rounds with McGregor and Poirier got destroyed. I just think that, uh, you know, but you really can't do MMA math. I mean, you can't say, well, so-and-so be so-and-so because they match up completely different. And Dustin is a fucking killer. He is a killer. But you know something? Max Holloway put on a fucking clinic on Brian Ortega. And anybody can do that right now to Brian Ortega. Uh, it's head and shoulders above the rest of the field. I don't care if you're 145 or 155. I think that Max Holloway's that guy. I don't. I think the only one that can can beat him right now at 55 would be you know Tony Ferguson or uh, Khabib. I think both of them could beat Max. But uh, hey, at 9100, yeah, I'm taking Max Holloway here because I think you get a finish probably in the probably maybe in the, if it if it rolls to the third. I mean, you can get a finish in the third is what I'm thinking with Max Holloway. All right. Well, that's our breakdown of UFC 236. Make sure you jump in there with us and play at DraftKings. Well, if you check out our Facebook page, we'll have the link there for you. It's a free uh, free game. You can enter, try to win some tickets to Valor 58 on May 3rd. Before we go, guys, we want to get. Uh, I'm not going to ask you guys for a full lineup, but let's uh, let's get your your fade of the week and your lock of the week. Who's gonna who's uh, who's the guy first off for your lock of the week, uh, Justin? Who's the guy that's gonna, that's going to make their way into almost all of your lineups? Uh, it's going to be Max Holloway for me. Yeah, man, I, I can't disagree there. I, I, I'm going to say the same. I don't see me taking any lineups without Max. Uh, Greg? Yeah, same here. Holloway all the way. All right. And for uh, Fate of the Week, who is not going to make their way onto any of your lineups? I'll tell you guys to start. I'll, 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 I'll start us off here. Uh, I don't see me using uh, this Randy Costa fella in any of my lineups. I, I have a real hard time jumping on these guys that are – 
super unproven on the regional scene, again, especially when they're taking on a guy that is as durable as Brandon Davis. So Randy Costa will be my fade. Uh, and hell, I'll give you two. I don't see me uh, playing a lick of, uh, of, of uh, I'm sorry, of, uh, I lost my place. Matt Favola. Uh, I don't see me playing any Matt Favola this weekend either. I think Jalen Turner's too much. Uh, Greg, who's your fade? Oh, fade for the week. This whole card is just so even. I can't sit here and say that I wouldn't. Like, I don't know how 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 much I'm going to be in the books this weekend because all these fights are so like close and evenly matched. Like anything can happen. You, you know, we were talking about it. You know, you get we get a, a card like this, and this isn't like really a spoiler card where you got just a crazy lineup of stars. But I mean, it's they're even fives, and it's not a shit card. It's a pretty good one. And uh, I guess with that being said, damn, my fate of the week. I don't know. It's hard to pick one. I guess I'm going to have to just say uh, Eric Eric Anders, honestly, because I don't know. I don't know what he's going to come out. If he's going to come out as a world beater, or if he's going to come out as a yeah. defensive fighter and try to play the play the tip for tack game. And if he does that, I don't see him pulling it off. And nine thousand dollars is a lot to tie up. Yeah, you got to get a finish there. And if you don't, I mean, you're gonna. I mean, you just lose too much value, and we'll just have to see. But yeah, Eric Anders is a uh, fight of the week. Justin, I have to go with Khalid Taha. Okay, um, he's just. Don't know enough about him coming off of a loss. His only only UFC fights a loss, so um, he only put up like twenty six points. So I won't be won't be taking any chances there. Right on, right on. Well, make sure you join us next week where we will recap UFC Atlanta. We'll start diving into some Valor uh, talk as well. We'll get some interviews going for Valor 58 and Valor 59. Some of those fights start to take place for May 18th for uh, the Smoky Stadium. Man, that's, those cards are starting to really stack up now. We've got, uh, I think, 10 pro fights now at Smoky Stadium. And, uh, Damn. Yeah, no doubt. We've, uh, we announced uh, the main event, of course, for uh, Valor 58. We're going to see uh, Joseph Long, Joseph Rambo Joe Long, no longer uh, no longer Cosby. He's Rambo Joe. Rambo Joe Long defends his Valor 155 amateur strap against the hard-hitting Micah Downs. So we're, we're excited for that. We'll get those guys on here uh, in the coming weeks to talk a little shit if we can get them to. Uh, till, till next week, we appreciate all of our guests. Thanks once again to Jason Knight for joining us earlier. Thanks to Jeff Hobbs, Greg Hopkins, Justin Watson. Till next time, I'm Tim Loy signing out. Valor Hour, we're out. This is a sitting ringside with David Penzer quick fix on Radio Influence. Please welcome this week on City Ringside TNA multi-time champion, the one and only Cowboy, James Storm. I get a call to just come down to NXT and uh, talk and, and then bring my stuff, <laughs> you know. And so I was like, okay. So I went down there and they said, you want to wrestle? I'm like, sure, of course, I'm here. So I went out there and wrestled. I came back and I, I talked to Hunter and stuff and uh, – and he's like, all right, well, we'll be in touch or whatever. And then, I don't know, it was two or three months later, I get another call. Hey, we want you to come back down to Orlando to talk some more. I said, okay. So I grabbed my stuff and went back down to Orlando and had had another match and then came back. And uh, at this time, TNA had, had sent me an offer too. And uh, and so I, had to, I sat there and I talked to Hunter. And it was just one of those things where I had some personal problems at home just kind of going on or whatever because – uh, my wife, she wanted to have another kid and he was just telling me how, how many shows they were going to run. And I had even talked it over with my wife and 
it was one of those things where I went to Hunter and I said, look, this is the, this is the deal that, that TNA is offering me right here. And I showed it to him and he was like, man, he's like, look, he goes, I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you what to do. He goes, but if, if I was someone kind of in your position, he goes, I would take that deal because it's guaranteed money. Uh, he goes and get yourself in the best shape you can and call me back as soon as this deal's over with and let's try to work something out. And, and, and I always thought, I always thought that was super cool of him. You know, you always heard different stories about Hunter and stuff. And I even talked, talked to road dog after I said, you know, he could have been full of crap. He goes, no man, he wasn't. He goes, he goes, he thought you was a stand up guy to come in and say, look, this is, this is what they're offering me. And this is, here it is right here in writing. And, uh, and I said, yeah, I said, is it like, I, you know, I don't mind wrestling. Like that's what I want to do. But at the same time, you know, and he said, just get your crap together, get in better shape and come back. And I said, all right. Sitting ringside with David Fenzer can be found on Apple podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn radio, Google podcasts, and radioinfluence.com.